0: our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash world talk radio the following program is being brought to you on the voice america sports channel for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voice the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, Racing's regular guy.
1: And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think tonight is going to be a very interesting show. I've got two very top people, one that I've known for many years. In Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Form, uh, you see Jay on. The national television, uh, giving his uh, pre and post race analysis, and also uh, read his stories in the daily racing Forum. He's on top of everything on the West Coast, and of course, we got some big races from Santa Anita coming up that we're going to look at with Jay. Uh, of course, the San Felipe that's going to have Kentucky Derby implications. We got some late breaking news about that race for you, and that is the potential favorite uh, Bayern, a Bob Baffert undefeated trainee who of last by 15 lengths, has a bruised inside quarter crack, and may train up to the Santa Anita Derby or go to Oaklawn Park. That information just delivered a couple hours ago. And uh, also at Santa Anita, the race that everybody's talking about, the Santa Anita Handicap. What a great race, and what a great rematch. You've got Mucho Macho Man, winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic, going against Will Take Charge, who finished just a nose back. And Game On Dude is going for his third Santa need a handicap so I can't wait uh, to listen to uh, Jay's analysis of that race and then we'll uh, swing down and take a look at the Tampa Bay Derby that's going to have some big implications of wide open field there and then a movie coming out on uh, Derby upset winner Mine, that bird was produced directed and written by Jim Wilson and we were lucky enough to get Jim to come on the show with us he'll be our first guest uh, this guy's credentials are just through the roof uh, you may recall that uh, he he hooked up with uh, Kevin Costner and the, those two produced uh, Dances with Wolves. Uh, he's been connected with uh, very top people throughout uh, his career, working with legendary filmmakers and actors like Dennis Hopper, Gene Hackman, Whitney Houston, uh, William Hurt, Demi Moore, and Paul Newman. So, uh, we're going to find out about this movie. It's very interesting cast of characters that has come together. Our own Calvin Burrell uh, is in the movie too. So uh, that will be Jim Wilson. So Jim and Jay will be our guest on the show. Well, I always advise you to go on the Winning Ponies website and before you go to your favorite track or OTB parlor and pick up the easy win forms. If you did, let me just give you some of our top hits that happened in the last few days. Uh, at, at Tampa Bay Downs, we had a super worth 3353 Louisiana Downs, another super, $3,719. And at Delta Downs, we got lucky there, $4,103. The list goes on, and you go to the winningponies.com, and you'll be able to see uh, the big hits that we update every week. Well, of course Cairo Prince uh currently considered one of the top contenders for the Kentucky Derby and it looks like he's gonna have uh, a new majority owner and Darley Studd has purchased the majority interest in Cairo Prince. Uh, He was the runaway winner of the Grade Two Holy Bull Stakes on January 25th. Uh, He's going to stay in the barn of Kieran McLaughlin, but he will race in the colors of Sheikh Mohammed's Godolphin Stable, along with uh, owners Terry Murray, Paul Braverman, Harvey Clark, and Craig Robertson. Uh, So it looks like uh, Darley may get into the winner's circle. We'll find out. Horses are, are fallen off the shelf left and right uh with with slight training setbacks you'll, you'll hear more later in the show i uh, didn't want to give them all out well again the, the big race is, is going to be uh the san anita handicap aside from those good three-year-old races and what's good is out at san anita and i don't know why other tracks don't do this more often but um have uh, workouts between races, and Mucho Macho Man was on the Santa Anita main track between races back on uh, March 2nd for his final timed workout. He worked uh, five furlongs in 101 and 2, uh, setting the stage for the big matchup uh, with uh, with Will Take Charge. Uh, basically saying that ah, was a romp in the park. Gary Stevens did, didn't ride him, uh, his regular uh, exercise rider was up but Gary watched it was was very very impressed so first post time by the way for the Saturday card will be noon, depending on where you're at. That is Pacific time. Now, while he was working out, uh, Will Take Charge uh, fired a bullet at Oak Lawn Park, uh, getting ready for the race. Uh, the fastest of 74 moves. He was timed in 47 and 4. Again, the fastest of 47 at the distance. So, uh, looks like D. Wayne's got him wound up for a big one. And uh, Bob Baffert in an interview this week says uh, he's. he's He's not worried about anybody. Uh, bring him on, he said. Game on, dudes. Bouncing back to his old self. He thinks that he really just kind of needed that last race. Now, one of the horses that, that we're talking about uh, that might be on the sidelines is Bondholder. He was a, a leading early Kentucky Derby favor. He he was going to go by way of the fairgrounds. At first he canceled out of that race after a bumpy plane ride. Then they said, well, let's just go over to Tampa Bay and get in the derby. Well, as it turns out that uh, Bondholder was still body sore from the turbulence from his airplane ride and uh, he's going to have to uh, pass on that. So uh, he says he's walking sound. uh, His his foot's doing better and it'll go day by day and they were hoping that he'd be on the track probably uh, tomorrow or over the week so uh, we will uh, see if he makes it back into the race. Of course, Baffert's got a lot of bullets, but he, he always does. Um, undefeated Only for You leads uh, Todd Pletcher's array of 17 fillies among the early nominees to the Longines Kentucky Oaks. No big surprise, he also uh, has the record for number of nominees uh, to the Triple Crown with his boys, um, but uh, only for you, it looks like she's at the top right now. Again, that race, $2 million guaranteed, the precursor the day before the Kentucky Derby, and it will be televised live on the NBC Sports Network. Uh, if you may recall, Pletcher has settled three winners of the Kentucky Oaks, uh, Champions uh, Shadow and Rags to Riches, and uh, the 2013 winner Princess of Silmar, many th- who thought might be a, a champion, but she kind of stubbed her toe very, very late in the season. So no big surprise there. Uh, Todd Pletcher with a slew of girls going in the Oaks. Well, um <clears throat> Our friends at uh, Old Friends are going to be hosting a Derby giveaway. Uh, They've teamed up with DerbyBox.com to offer visitors to Old Friends. And I really advise that you you go to this track. If you're anywhere near central Kentucky going to and from uh, the Derby or or if you live in the area, it's a a great place to go. But if visitors during March, you'll be able to enter for a chance to win tickets. Three pairs of tickets are going to be given away uh, to the Kentucky Derby thanks to Derby box.com and our friends at old friends. Well, uh, many people are paying tribute to Johnny Murtaugh after the multiple group one winning jockey announces retirement from the saddle. And he's going to concentrate on training. Murtaugh's 43 years old. He's widely regarded as one of the greatest riders of the modern era. He partnered over 100 top level winners, uh, both at home and abroad and that was last year he took out his training license uh, for uh, Fox Covert Stabert in beautiful County Kildare in Ireland. So uh, he said, you know, the training side of things was getting bigger all the time, and he wasn't happy giving his riding 50% and the training 50%, so he's going to jump over 100% into training. Congratulations to the great Irish jockey, Johnny Murtaugh. Well, uh, speaking of champions, uh, wise Dan had his first work and it looks like he might run at Keeneland in the spring meet. Now, Wise Dan, of course, he's a gelding, so the uh, horse of the year, uh, no reason to rush him off to any stud barn. Seven years old right now. Uh, Chuck Lapresti said he was a little farther behind in his training compared to last year, and the reason, well, if you live anywhere in this area, you know that the weather has been absolutely uh, horrendous. So uh, he breezed him uh, uh, 36 seconds 3 furlongs on Monday that tells me he's still uh, on his toes and, and and doing well so looking forward to seeing the uh, horse of the year back in the the starting gate okay uh, a quick look at our leaderboard in the oaks and derby we'll go first with the girls at top is untappable only for you and Awesome baby, all with 60 points, so they would be uh, virtually guaranteed a berth in the starting gate uh, for the Kentucky Oaks. Behind them is Got Lucky, House Rules, and Artemis. So that's a look at the at the top girls in the leaderboard right now with the point standing at Churchill Downs. Now for a look at the boys, Samarot. What a race he put in. He's on top right now with sixty points, just ahead of Intense Holiday, uh, Wildcat Red, uh, and then we go to uh, Albano and Uncle Cy, who's really running well right now. They are both tied at twenty four points, and uh, let's just. Uh, Take a a look right now at some of that action from last week. Uh, It was absolutely a fantastic race in the stepping stone to the Wood Memorial, and that is the Gotham Stakes, a mile and a 16th. And uh, it was a rematch of the two New York breads that finished a length apart in the previously run Withers Stakes. And that was Samarat and Uncle Si. They don't know what state they were born in. And, man, what a race they put in. Now, as, as, they, as they turn for home... Uh, uh, Tony Dutrow's in trouble, who won the grade two futurity last year, had never stretched out. Longest he'd been was, uh, it was six furlongs. Uh, Mike Beer, our handicapper, liked this horse a lot, and he looked awful good turning for home. He was down and on the rail. And then. Uh, Coming up on top of him was Uncle Si with new jockey Corey Nakatani. And then for the final 16th of a mile, they were joined by Samarat. The three of them, you could barely put a piece of paper between them as they raced down to the final 16th of a mile. And getting his head in front was Samarat, just getting up over the other two. A three-horse finish. Uh, Very exciting. Samarat now undefeated five four five, and again jumps to the to the top of the list when we're talking about uh, derby horses well uh, down at Gulfstream Park we lost another one to a quarter crack and this one Havana who probably would have been the favorite in the Swale Stakes was out of the race so that made uh Wes Ward's uh very classically uh trained uh three-year-old now no, nay, never, a horse that uh, easily broke its maiden at Keeneland and then decided to go over uh, won, uh, a race at Ascot. Wesley Ward's done that twice now. He became the first North American-based trainer ever to win a graded stakes race at Ascot two years ago. And now uh, then he went on over to France and won the uh, grade one pre-Mornay uh, as a two-year-old. So no, nay, never just looked like an absolute standout. Was bet down to two to five. No such thing as a sure thing. Looked pretty good turning for home, but flying out of it is a horse that's new to the Nick Zito barn, and that was Spot, who came from off the pace and got him at 9-1 to one at the wire. No, nay, never. Did hold on for the second spot. So uh, a race that, that turned upside down, uh, losing uh, Havana and thinking that no, nay, never was a lock in there. Uh, At Aqueduct, in the top flight, it was Teen Pauline, who was absolutely marvelous, going wire to wire after a couple scratches, has never lost at Aqueduct. And also at Aqueduct uh, was the six furlong Tom Poole handicap. Uh, We said David Jacobson was holding a heavy hand, and he was the even-money strapping groom, got the job done. Well, that's a look at national news and what was happening last week. And right now we're going to take a look at an upcoming movie, 50 to 1. If you like long shots, I think you're going to like this movie. We're going to be talking with Jim Wilson. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. That's a
0: fly ball, deep right field. Back goes O'Neill. He's at right. the top. Got it. With 2.8 seconds He's left. left to left.
2: I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
0: From high school to the pros, we, we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you.
1: Week about this guest. His name, of course, is Jim Wilson, uh, producer, director, writer associated with 50 to 1, the Mind That Birds story. Uh, I gave you a setup at the top of the show of some of the uh, people he'd been associated with. What you need to know is uh, that Jim has produced and directed more than 25 motion pictures, a garnishing critical acclaim for that Western epic Dances with Wolves. He's won. Six Seven academy awards including best picture so uh, i'm honored to have with me right now jim wilson jim how are you hey i'm good john it's a pleasure to be on you betcha well it was a pleasure uh, reading about uh the, the the making of the movie and and how uh the stars seem to come aligned uh for you um the uh i I will. T- I will tell you this. I mind that bird just to give you a personal example of how he really was the uh, the equine Rodney Dangerfield of his generation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was down covering the Kentucky Derby, and it was the morning workouts, and so everybody's there and they're crowded around and they're watching. You know, the Derby horses come out in their own saddle towels, and so the Derby horses were out there during the renovation break. And then it was pretty much towards the end of it, and one of I'll say one of Big Baffert's big horses, you know, went back to the barn, and it was like as if the old bleachers had siphoned off. And so I'm I'm still looking, and I see a horse around there, and I and I to a sports writer, I said, who's that? They, he said don't bother waiting for that horse, that, that's mine, that bird, you know, so needless to say, I didn't take his advice, I stayed, I shot him, got some great shots of him and Calvin, so, I mean, it just goes to show the the opinion that, that the, at the press had that uh, this horse was just kind of a, a nobody, but uh, to, I guess the inspiration for you doing this movie started the moment he crossed the, the finish line at the Derby.
2: Well, it did, listen, I wasn't at the Derby, I was at home like a lot of people are across the country, it's on my couch and... You know, I had my uh, my treats with me and couldn't wait for the race, and I, too, had kind of crossed the horse off. I do a little bit of handicapping for fun, and I've had a stable out here for 20-plus years. So I, I, too, went right by his name and thought, you know, look at speed figures, and he had one in New Mexico and all this stuff, and so I, I didn't give him, give him a second thought. I thought 51 was probably nice to give him those odds. So uh, when, once the, la- the race laid out, though, and, and I see this horse getting, you know, pinched at the beginning and almost 30 lengths back and uh, taking the rail with Calvin obviously was, was off the screen for half the, the NBC broadcast so when this horse comes up and, and wins by nearly seven lengths I said oh my gosh I mean this is just visually one of the most stunning you know races I'd ever seen honestly you can debate it with a lot of people but at least from my eye uh, and in the derby and you look at your program and you know there was muddle over number eight and I thought who is this again and so you know, that was the beginning for me of um, of this story. Uh, so it wasn't all about a horse race, but there was enough just in that that I said, I, I need to find out more about the connections. Uh, and I did just that. I flew down to Roswell, New Mexico, and I met with uh, Leonard Block and Mark Allen, the two owners, and uh, obviously Chip Woolley, the trainer, and and Charlie, who was um, the groom. And, and uh, I really started to find out how colorful a bunch of characters these were. And so that sort of solidified um, the reason for making this. Look, there's a, a great horse story told every day. I mean, I'm just hearing the beginning of your program this afternoon, and you could make a, a, a great tale on almost any one of these horses. But this one happened to hit me, both the, the visual move this horse made, I thought was striking, uh, the fact he's so diminutive and a little crooked up front. And you, you add to it these owners and trainers, and I was smitten.
1: Well, I, I must say, uh, it's, it's kind of, as I read about how you put the film together, uh, just a splendid twist of fate that seemed to bring the cast together. I mean, you've got you've you got William Devane, uh, who himself is an accomplished equestrian, who plays polo and raises horses. He's going to play owner uh, Leonard Doc Blotch. Uh, then you got Christian Kane, who plays the co-owner Mark Allen. And it turns out that his parents rode in the rodeo. And then uh, Skeet Ulrich, who's going to play uh, the tra- Chip Wooley. Well, he grew up around racing, but it was a different kind of racing. He grew up with NASCAR, but really quite seriously, the cast of characters that are around car racing are similar to many of the ones that you find
2: in the sport of horse racing. I mean, yeah. you really lucked out with that trifecta. Well, as I say, and I don't add it all to luck. I mean, here's part of it. You've been making films for me nearly 35 years, 40 years, and, um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of the, the leading Hollywood men, to tell you the truth. And I just, I, as I went through them and I got to know Chip and Mark and Doc, I said, you know, I want to typecast a little tighter here. I'm going to find guys who, who are around horses and feel horses and, and, um, uh, Skeet had been in a film um, with Christian before a Spielberg picture years ago uh, I think it was Into the West TV series and stuff and they had ridden horses and I, I, I these guys came in, auditioned and, and I knew Devane was a bit of a horseman and just every time I thought about them they just fit these characters much better and I think there's always something inherent when I go to the set and I'm working around horses. I I tend to know in a movie how real it is or not. These guys really know how horses move and and, and, and how to give a rider leg up and and how to put on a bridle or halter, or whatever they're up to. And so the fact that these guys knew all that ahead of time gives you a huge leg up, so to speak, when you go to shoot the scene. um, I, I am proud of how, in a way, authentic I, I believe the film is. And, and you feel it, because these guys, these guys have been there. They've got their hands dirty, you know, and, and, and Devane has been around horses forever. So, you know, in fact, when I called him or his agent, he was uh, taking some polo ponies up to Wyoming somewhere. <laughs> so it was, uh, I, I do have the right guys. They're, they're not the biggest names in the business, per se. They'll have great careers, but um, they certainly fit the parts.
1: Well, you know, and really, as as one that has watched uh, every single uh, horse movie since uh, Black Velvet, um, I look at that at movies, and I look for the realism. And you can tell sometimes when there's guys that, Don't I don't have familiarity with it, and you you know you you just see something's on backwards, or one second you'll see a horse with a blaze on the lead (laughs) cut away, and then they'll come back, and all of a sudden you got you know a chestnut with no blaze. You're like, wait a second, it's the same horse. You know, didn't anybody check this out? And also the different things that they they did, even the movies like Secretariat, where. Trust me, this would never happen on a racetrack as one that's been around horse for 35 years. So I, I think that that's a, having that experienced cast with you, it had to be a huge plus.
2: Well it is a huge plus I mean it, it look not to be a stickler, but when I do see some of those movies I, I notice the seven or eight various horses they 're using and I see the star and the blaze and the all this stuff and i 'm going really I mean they got to pay some attention to that so the good news is here I found a horse up in uh, in in Canada actually a three year old thoroughbred that plays uh, mind that bird his name is Sunday rest, and he he does it all. So I'm not, I don't have eight or nine horses coming in and out. I'm using one horse. He had no, no paint on his face at all. So we did a, a, stencil, just a little tiny star to match, uh, to match bird. And that's all we did each morning. But other than that, this, this horse is spot on, looks just like bird, moves like bird. I think if we trained him a little more, might have run like bird. I mean, he really, he was a pretty nice little, little thoroughbred.
1: Well, one challenge that I understand you had was, the the fact that mind that bird was so far out of the race, basically uh, he was the, the the footage you had even though it was good footage, uh, he he was off the screen for nearly half the race, which uh, caused you to have
2: to make a remake of it at Churchill, and luckily you had Calvin Burrell right there. Yeah, no, listen, it, that all came together. I actually right after the race. Pretty soon after the race, I uh, called NBC and I um, got a hold of all the tapes. So obviously when you're watching television, the directors in the truck just hitting certain cameras go to three, go to two, back to four. And so I got to see it all from seven or eight cameras' points of view. So it was fabulous. I was able to see footage that nobody ever saw and but what i did see was calvin wasn't on the on anywhere on anyone's camera for about 48 seconds i mean i'm talking about a half a mile so you know all of a sudden i said boy i'm going to have to really you know recreate a portion of this race as well um and no better than to, to do it at churchill you know on the main track with calvin on board uh, on board sunday rest so i was able to do that and it really was a tremendous honor to work with Calvin, and um, it's difficult to play yourself, but uh, but Calvin's done that uh, remarkably well here.
3: <laughs>
1: Good old boy from Louisiana. That that's that's what he is, and I hope he came across that way on screen. Now, what's interesting is is that th- this film was not backed by Hollywood insiders. It was uh, backed by private investors, and you're going to do something very unique, and you're kind of taking the show on the road.
2: Yeah, you know, I've made a lot of films that um, studios have purchased and and released and all that stuff, and for whatever reason, they decided this wasn't their cup of tea. Um, They're making, as you see it, very different films than I make today, um, or I used to make, so... Um, this is an inspiring underdog story. It's not just about a racehorse. It is about people that pick themselves up from the bootstraps and, and, you know, wear their hearts on their sleeves and got big dreams and tend to it was a ninety five uh hundred dollar yearling, which is always great for horsemen to hear, you know, to make it to the Derby and it, it qualified up in Canada and that's where its earnings came from and and um, I don't know. I just think it's uh, it, it's something that needs to get out there, and we, we put a lot of... I've spent three years of my life to this point to get it to here, um, and, and I know what the film has to say and show, so uh, we are taking it out ourselves. The film opens uh, March 21st in New Mexico. And we're going to tour. I'm, gonna, I'm putting the cast on board on a bus with me. We've got a 45 foot bus wrapped in 50 to 1 regalia, and three or four of the cast members, all the leads. We're going to we're going to tour America. We we feel like we're 50 to 1, and um, we're going to head across Texas and into Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky. We're going to head on up to the Derby. So we're we're eventually going to get it to America, though. So uh, not to worry, we're coming your way.
1: Well, and I plan on being there. And, Jim, am I to
2: understand that Mind um, that bird will be in tow? Mind that bird already has, I think he's got seven appearances along the way. So I'm not actually got him in my exhaust pipe, John. I've got <laughs> him um, heading to, yeah, seven locations along the way. He's going to hit the red carpet in Albuquerque, which is only appropriate. Um, he'll be at Sunland Park uh, along the way. He's going to make a stop in Dallas. We've got him up at Keeneland. He's going he's gonna to also join us up at uh, Churchill Downs. He'll be up at the museum there. So he's making a number of stops along the way with us. And a lot of this is just a give back. You know, I, I've made all these movies, and the unfortunate thing is that I do the red carpet in L.A. or New York, and I, I never even get to meet the fans that, that like the films we've made, or there's no interaction. So with this, we're doing a lot of meet and greets. We're going to theaters and meeting people who see the movie, and we're going to go to some tracks. We're going to go to the Sunland Derby, Louisiana Derby. Arkansas Derby, uh, so we're going to be there on those weekends and meet and greet people along the way, and I think it'll be fun. So, and Bert will make some of those stops with us.
1: Wow, that it, it, it's a it's a great concept. Again, uh, we're talking uh, uh, to J- Jim Wilson and. Uh, I, I really hope I get a chance to meet you when you when you come across the, uh, to uh, the Kentucky Derby. I, I plan to be down there, and I just I wish you the best of luck. You know well, what, what can I say? Like I said, he, he was the Rodney Dangerfield of his generation, and I think you're going to make him into the Rocky of racehorses.
2: Well, that would make me very happy, John. <laughs> so, but it is it is Rocky, yes, to say the least. And uh, it, it was one heck of a journey for these guys, and that's what we put on the screen. It's a it's a romp. You know, it, it really is a romp appropriately, I think.
1: Well, I, I can't wait to see it. If there's anything else I can do to help you promote it, all your people have my contacts. We've been talking with Jim Wilson, producer, director, and writer. He's an odds-on favorite to score with a long shot, 50-1. to 1. Thanks so much for being with us, Jim.
2: All right. Thanks again, John, and, and to good luck on Winning Ponies. A great show. All right,
1: thank you very much. All right, Jim Wilson, that's it. You might, you might be able to get a chance to see Mind that bird in person as they uh, get like a rock and roll band uh, get on a tour bus and go across the country. I think it's great that they're giving props to the people in New Mexico since that's where the roots of all of the uh, the main players started from. Really looking forward to to seeing this movie Fifty to One. Also looking forward to. Our next guest, he's a writer, a television personality, and a handicapper extraordinaire. The always entertaining, that's right, the one, the only, Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy.
1: <laughs> NFL, MLB, MLB, MLB NBA, NBA NHL, NHL. Speak up,
0: speak up, or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What?
1: All right, and with me right now, one of my favorite people in racing, Jay Privman. He's always kind enough to uh, come on the show with us. As you know, uh, Jay is a six-time winner of the Red Smith Award for Best Kentucky Derby Story. He's been working with the Daily Racing Forum since 1998. He's also the author of, well, I guess I could call it a coffee table book, but the Breeders' Cup Thoroughbreds Racing Championship Day is actually bigger than my coffee table, so uh, I'm not sure what i'd call it but uh, it, it's near me and dear me and uh, i was going through it recently and as, as i looked at some of the horses pictures in there uh, i saw so many horses that are actually at one point in time uh actually competed in the Santa anita handicap but before i get to that jay something i didn't know
3: is that uh, uh the, the guest that we just had on jim wilson he, he's no stranger to you no i mean i Jim, I, I first met around the time he did a documentary on Lafitte Pincai that was excellent. Uh, and you know, I had been, been familiar with him even before that because he does own uh, racehorses. He's owned uh, occasional racehorses on and off over the years. He grew up not far from Santa Anita in, in Pasadena, California. Uh, and so I've and I've seen him at the track over the years, and I, I really hope that this film does well. I mean, it's, he's the right kind of guy to do a racing film because he knows racing.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny. I don't know what time you came in and got to listen, but
3: the the, the main character he's
1: got uh, every single one of them uh, has. A connection with horses. They're either they either raise horses, own horses, or have been in movies where you know they, they ride horses. So he says it's going to be very realistic. I won't point out any examples, but as you have seen in some recent movies on racing that have been out, there's stuff that happens in that movie that would never happen at the
3: racetrack. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yes, and those of us who know racing, we kind of roll our eyes when we see those scenes.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. Well. Um, Jay, uh, you're out, you're out there on the West Coast, uh, and uh, so that's kind of why I uh, uh, pulled on your coattails to be with us tonight. And you, you know what's really great, in my opinion, is the fact that at least maybe it's just because I read the right things, but it seems to me like the Santa Anita handicap is. is it's kind of getting the buzz it deserves. I, I listened to the National Teleconference this week with, uh, you know, Bob Baffert was one of the people in there. Of course, he's got game on dude in the race. And I think he was talking to Jenny Reese, and he's like, hey, we've done our part bringing the horses. You've got to do your part now at, at getting the public uh, interested. But, really, if you go back to the Santa Anita Handicap, and I'm, I'm guessing that you were there in the heydays of the, the late 70s and the 80s, and I'll just reel some names off quick, uh, a firm, spectacular bit, uh, John Henry, uh, Ellie, Sheba. uh, Were were you uh, present for for those races? Because I know you're pretty much based out there.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first started covering racing, I was actually still in college and I was working for a paper in in L.A. and the first uh, winter meet at Santa Anita that I covered some big races at was the year that Spectacular Bid was out here as a four-year-old. But even as a fan prior to that, I saw uh, several San Anita handicaps uh, you know like even the previous year to spectacular bid when affirmed won, and uh, but then sure spectacular bids big cap the back to back wins by John Henry in 81 and 82 and then the year they had 85,000 people here for when Lord at War won in, in 85 so, uh, and, and throughout then seen just some great great races over the years you know, winners like Ali Sheba and best pal so it's it's a terrific race and you're right I think the quality of this year's field is is terrific it's just really neat to see the top two breeders cup classic winners want to come back out here for this race and we'll see if game on dudes can can uh, reach back and run one of his uh one of his good races from yesteryear and become the first three time winner of the race Right, right. He would make
1: uh, history in that occasion. Uh, Of course, one of my favorite all-time geldings, and I guess you could say claimers if you want to, uh, Lava Man uh, back-to-back runnings in 2006 and and 2007. Well, uh, according to listening to Baffert in in his interview the other day, um, he seems to think that... uh, You hear this a lot in racing, the game-on dude needed that one, and uh, he expects to see uh, the old game-on dude uh, come back. And uh, Quite frankly, I'm just in handicapping the horse, Jay. It looks to me like uh, if he wants to make the lead, he's not going to have that hard of a time against this bunch.
3: Right, and that, to me, more so than him maybe needing the race last time. I, I think the pace is what did him in last time. Blue Skies and Rainbows was just intent on going for the lead, as was Game On Dude, and, and they just knocked each other out. Uh, so I think if you don't have a situation like that this time, and Game On Dude can... can what, one thing about when you run against Game On Dude, you might, you might beat him if you go head-and-head head with him, but you're going to beat yourself, too. So then what happens is you sort of have to let him go and hope that you're good enough to reel him in, which is what happened, for instance, in the Clark, when Will Take Charge ran him down. But at his home track at Santa Anita maybe he's going to be dangerous on, on the lead in here and uh, and become the first three-time winner. But to do so, he's going to have to hold off two very, very good horses in mucho macho man and will take charge.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, this is getting so much coverage. I just saw uh, the... Uh... Oh, the, the singing group uh, uh, Macho Macho Man being interviewed on television about Mucho Macho Man. Oh, no, don't pretend um, you
3: don't know it's the village people now, John. Very,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, I, I had a little brain fart there for a minute. But uh, it, it's it's so neat. We to all be know divorced. you're the
3: policeman. It's Okay. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Jay. Uh, but but it's, it's neat to see horses that that were not whisked away to the stud barn. I know uh, Will take charge was sitting on that fence, but that didn't happen. Now with the intervention of the three chimneys with, with uh, uh, Mr. Horton and then uh, Mucho Macho Man, who's now a six year old horse. Of course, uh, this will be his last season. Uh, Dina Springs jumped in. I, I believe they sold the mother in utero to Mucho Macho Man at the sales. But it's just great to see that we're gonna. Looks like we're gonna have some good handicap matchups uh how do you see that this this race setting up because you know it looks like Amon Doodle go to the front uh mucho macho man probably won't be too far away from him i mean uh he was absolutely dominant in the sunshine millions and looks like he's on his toes i see two works where he was the best of 70 and second best of 75 horses at the distance and d wayne you know how he knows how to crank them up for the big ones with will take charge
3: yeah, I, I think you, you you pretty much outlined it really well. There, I mean, Game On Dude will go to the lead. I, mucho Macho Man will be in very close attendance. That's his style, and he's run extremely well at Santa Anita the three times he's run out here in the Breeders' Cup Classic. The prior year, he just got beat by Fort Larned, and then last fall he won back-to-back races in the Awesome again in the and then the Breeders' Cup Classic. And will take charge. I mean, he was a nose away from winning that Classic, and then came back and. Ran two good races after that in in, in the Clark, and then I thought he ran a very good race in the Don over a track that we've seen all winter. It's very hard to make up ground. Uh, So for him to rally to be second in that race uh, behind Lee I thought was a a, a tremendous effort on his part, and he'll get more ground to work with going a mile and a quarter, which is the distance at which he won the Travers and just missed in the Classic, so... Uh, it, it's it's really a, a race that I think all of us are looking forward to quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean I I can just see this uh, coming into a three-horse blanket finish. I mean just on paper it, it looks so much like it could be that way. And and we'll take charge. Let's let's face it. I mean he's coming into this race off six, 100-plus buyers. And again, as you pointed out, in the Don Handicap, uh, we've seen in it several races where I think the best horse got beat because it's been somewhat uh, a speed bias track. So, But interesting that D. Wayne's certainly not ducking anybody, and this horse has seen more plane and van rides than anybody in the field, I think.
3: Well, that's one of the things I really like about this horse. He's a throwback. I mean, you can run him every few weeks and he holds his form. I mean, for whatever reason, he took a siesta during the Triple Crown last year, but and he actually didn't run all that bad in the Derby. I think he would have been second if he doesn't get stopped in, in upper stretch. He just ran up on the heels of another horse. But he, he, he took a vacation during the Preakness in Belmont. But after that, I mean, he, he's just, as you say, traveled everywhere and always run well. And we know he can ship and perform. So there's no concern, I think, over him being able to run his race out here. We know he's, he, he can come out here and do well.
1: Well, for so many years, you got to rub shoulders with the great bald eagle. Now at 78 years old, I mean, D. Lucas, he's unbelievable.
3: He's, he's had a great career, yes, that's for sure.
1: Well, uh, it's going to be just a fantastic race, and we've already named some of the great horses of the modern-day era that have won this race. And, of course, if you want to rewind the history books, we can go back to uh, the, the movie Sea Biscuit, As we know, this was the race that, that he was always talking, uh, pointing to, and uh, the overlooked uh, Noor, uh, who uh, there's a great book about the displacement of his bones, uh, moved to uh, uh, old friends now, and uh, just the, even the great, uh, you know, roundtable won this race, so all I can say is you stamp yourself as one of the great ones if you can win a Santa Anita handicap.
3: That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's proven the test of time as being a, a, a race that really, you've, you've got to be a tremendous horse to win it.
1: Well, my producer's telling me that it's about time to uh, to take take a quick break. Again, we're talking with Jay Privman of the Daily Racing Forum. and when we come back. We're going to take a look at some points races uh, that uh, could have an outcome on this year's Kentucky Derby, and we're talking about the Grade Two San Felipe out in Jay's neighborhood at Santa Anita, and then we're going to go down and. Uh, Get warm down at Tampa Bay Downs for the Tampa Bay Derby that's drawn together an interesting field. So, again, we're talking with Jay Proven from the Daily Racing Forum, and you're listening to Winning Ponies.
2: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left to left. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
0: From high school to the pros, we (laughs) we cover cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? your internet flagship station for sports, Yay! Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. Okay, and with me,
1: Jay Prizman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, We just uh, recapped the big cap, uh, the Santa Anita Handicap. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's going to be just part of a huge card out at Santa Anita. But I read a recent column penned by Jay today, and it seems to me that John Sadler might be one of the greatest trainers that nobody really knows
3: about, except for you guys on the West Coast. It was a
1: great story, Jay. Oh,
3: son, I appreciate that. Yeah, I wanted to give him some some props for a national audience. I mean, he's always been a top trainer out here. He's won titles at Del Mar and Santa Anita and, and Hollywood Park. And even last year, he crept his way into the top ten nationally in terms of earnings. He finished ninth overall. But he's never won a Breeders' Cup race, even though he's had six in the money finishes. And he's never won a Triple Crown race. And he's only had three derby starters over the years. But he's a, a top trainer. If you gamble out here, he's obviously a guy you see seen in the past performances a lot. And but right now he's got three of our top twenty in our racing form derby watch list, including Cristo, who's running in the San Felipe on Saturday. So it seemed like it was a good time to put the spotlight on him.
1: Yeah, it really was. And you pointed out that you know he's had a nice ascension uh, from the claimers, and that even the ones that he has now are are more at, at the top level. And uh, uh, certainly uh, one of the, the horses. Uh, uh, that that I, I really like is, is his candy ride, colt. Like he said, he said he probably couldn't afford that one if it wasn't a homebred uh, owned by people that have stuck with him over the years.
3: Exactly. I mean, but they've really stepped up their game because they've got a horse who's got a, a great pedigree uh, in, in him, and then they've got horse, two horses. The other two horses, one was a half-million-dollar yearling and the other was a $400,000 two year old in training by of the, the the three horses that I wrote about, uh Christo, Candy Boy, and Kobe's back. So they're they're stepping up the level of their game. They're not trying to do it with uh with Yugos. They're they're, they're buying uh Escalades. <laughs>
1: Well, I spoke earlier in the show about the defection because of a quarter crack in the right front of Havana from the Swale Stakes, and just uh, hours ago, uh, we got news out of the Baffert barn that it looks like Bay Aaron, if I'm saying that right, who I thought might be the next Bodemeister,
3: is going to have a little inside uh, uh, rest because he's got a quarter crack, too. Well, no, he doesn't have a quarter crack. I mean, not that I know of. Uh, he's just got a foot bruise. Um, so, now. If- that's news to me if it's a quarter crack um, but regardless he's out of the race on uh, on Saturday it's just bad timing and hopefully they can get him back going soon and, and, and we'll see him in uh, in a few weeks but this would have been a good test for him he's only run twice so far and uh, it would have been it would have been a good test for him and he needs to get points I mean he's only won a maiden race and an allowance race so uh, he's, he's trying to go pretty far in a short amount of time yeah i guess uh, baffert's quote
1: was that he uh, may just train him up either to the Santa anita derby or go to one of the uh key races at, at oak lawn park so it uh it will be interesting but it's too bad uh gary stevens was scheduled to ride him uh what a game of musical horses gary stevens is on this uh, derby trail
3: well he's, he's got him which is uh, uh hopefully we'll get him back to the races but Even better than that at this point is Candy Boy, uh, one of Sadler's horses, who was a really impressive winner of his last start after running well behind Shared Belief in the Cash Call Futurity, and he's awaiting the Santa Anita Derby for his next start. And I think if you did a depth chart of California-based three-year-olds right now that are heading towards the Derby, I mean, you'd have to put him at the top of the list. Yeah, he, if you if you handed me $100 and told me I could only bet one
1: horse right now, he'd be the one that, that I would pick. I've been very, very impressed with him. It seems to me like Gary Stevens is too. Well, a horse I was impressed with in his last race, even though he didn't win it, uh, was Christo. Um, I thought, and again, I'm watching television. You get to see him in person. But I thought he was a very... Uh, Solid physical specimen, and I really like the way that he ran in the Sham Stakes. And I know that uh, Midnight Hawk, uh, you, you went by him and collared him. But he seemed to like come off the rail and almost re rally a little bit. And I noticed that uh, they gave him some time off, and he's back in here again for uh, trainer John Sadler. Um, it looks like he's had a, a series of solid workouts too. Uh, what, what's your impression of, of Cristo versus Midnight Hawk? I just think Midnight Hawk may, might have um, genetic uh, distance
3: uh, limitations. Well, uh, let's see. Let try and answer all that. Um... <laughs> Uh, need a roadmap here. We'll start with You know, last time John, it was it was a four-horse race or a couple scratches out of that race, and it, it basically was a match race between Midnight Hawk and Cristo, and they went at it like a match race, and Midnight Hawk was outside of Cristo, and and he got the best of him and went on to win it. Uh, the, the the thing with Cristo is, I don't know that that's really his best way of of running a race is just having to be used like that. And in, in the race now on Saturday, there's other speed in the race. He's drawn towards the outside of the field of what's now nine runners. He, he had the original post seven in the race uh, in a field of 10. It will be nine runners now. And I'll be interested to see if they use him as more of a stalker in this race and then see if he can come on from there. And we'll see if he can if he can do that. But I think that's going to give him a better chance and, and we'll learn More about him in this race than we did the last race, which was just kind of a a match race. You know, as for Midnight Hawk, uh, his problem so far to me has been just an inability to want to rate. Uh, and he's going to need to relax not only to succeed Saturday, but if he's going to have any success going farther in the Santa Anita Derby, which is a mile and an eighth, and the Kentucky Derby at a mile and a quarter, the race Saturday is at a mile and a sixteenth, and he really couldn't stay the trip last time. But uh, one thing that's going to help him is is the scratch of Bayern uh, from the race because that was a horse who was going to be going to the lead, and I don't know if Midnight Hawk would have been able to settle behind him uh, now there's still other speed in the race, but not as much, and, and maybe he'll run better with, with less pace pressure in here. But, you know, to the point that you were, you were making there, I, I share your concerns over whether he really wants to be going much farther than he is right now
1: all right well if i can take you away from your southern california post i know uh, you're probably keeping an eye on the horses in the tampa bay derby uh they're kind of coming out of the woodwork there and meeting at tampa bay another points race i've got about uh, two and a half minutes to close um kind of interesting i noticed this in some of the philly races too that were two-year-olds out on the west coast that were not allowed to race on lasix that have since come back and put in impressive performances and that draw my eye to conquest Titan out of the Cassie barn. As you know, at this time of year, some of these horses are pretty precocious with their speed. Do you think it can set up, set up for this horse, or does he get just too far
3: back? No, I mean, I think it'll set up for him. That's a track that you can make up ground on, and he obviously comes out of the best race, finishing second behind Cairo Prince and the Holy Bull, and the horse who was third in the race in 10th Holiday came out of there and won the Risen Star at Fairgrounds a couple weeks ago, so... It, if Conquest Titan runs back to that race, he's certainly the horse to beat. And I, I, I'm certain he'll be favored in the race, uh, and, and deservedly so, off, off his holy bull run. Well, we've got
1: the, uh, the, the Sam Davis uh, horses, mind is Harpoon, are, are in there. This uh, Vinceremos from the Todd Pletcher barn, Edgar Prado's ridden him every start. And, uh, you know, he seems to know where the finish line is when he has to get there and he's got the benefit of a trip over Tampa.
3: Right, and that'll help that he's, that he's run there and run well there. I'm not sure how good the quality of that race was because, as you mentioned, Harpoon, uh, who, who had been in the... That's Sam Davis came out of there, and he ran last week in the Gotham and was not really much of a factor in the race. He was, he was pretty well beaten while finishing mid-pack in that race. So I think it's ripe for a horse to to ship in there and, and do well, and that's why not only would I look long and hard at Conquest Titan, but also Surfing USA, who's coming off uh, a, a race at, uh, uh, at Gulfstream that was, you know, against top-quality competition in the allowance race, but I, I think he fits well in this spot.
1: Absolutely, you're dead on, Jay Privman, as you always are. And Once again, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day and spending it with us here on Winning Ponies. I always enjoy your, your analyst, uh, your humor, and uh, I, I hope that our paths get to cross on the Derby Trail.
3: Me too, John. It's always good being with you.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was Jay Privman. Uh, love having him on, and he, he's so gracious about being on Winning Ponies. And uh, I also want to... Want to thank Jim Wilson for being on with us. And 50 to 1 sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think this guy really put his heart and soul uh, into that movie. So I hope you guys will back him. Again, it was privately backed movie. And so, uh, you know, he could probably use all the help he can get. But it sounds to me like he did a great job in writing, producing, and directing that movie. So once again, put together a, a, a... fun group of people hope you enjoyed listening to winning ponies go to the website gave out some humongous winners of this past week and remember when you go to the races bet with your head not over it
0: thanks for listening to winning ponies with john Engelhart. we know the information from today's show will help you at the next post keep listening for more next thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports network